0: Welcome to the second tier podcast i'm ryan Dilks, and i'm joined by the lewis hamilton to my max verstappen it's just peach good day to you ryan that was very fresh we we're recording this literally less than an hour after that race finished so it's still very fresh in the memory i don't understand f1 so i don't care um justin you all right yeah no i'm good i, I don't understand f1 either it's just typical mercedes they're always trying to always trying to walk it in Oh, typical, typical Mercedes. That's almost, I was at the pub yesterday and someone asked me, who do you think is going to win? I was like, Schumacher? Don't know. <laughs> that is the depth of my <laughs> F1 knowledge for you right there. Anyway, on the show today, we've got Omar Renane from That Mill podcast. Omar, how's it going? Not bad, gents. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Also on the show is Rich Ferraro from 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Rich, are you
1: well? Uh, Well, my adrenaline levels are still high after the F1 and also after yesterday's football.
0: Well, what a weekend it has been for you, eh? It has been a roller coaster. Welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're going to run through all the games from the championship this past weekend, talk about some of the news from the past few days, and then we'll finish off with Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight right at the end. We'll begin things with the Steve Cooper derby. Forrest travelled to Swansea and ran out 4-1 winners. I was really impressed with Forrest, Rich. An impressive win with some impressive football being played as well.
1: It has to be said, it wasn't all plain sailing. We knew that Swansea, obviously, they are the uber footballing team of the division. And in the first half, you know, they were the better team. So it was really important to get, you know, two goals very, very quickly and very early in the second half. And um, I mean, the other thing that it has to be said, and Forgive me if you're going to come on to this, Ryan, but Steve Cooper played a blinder in terms of before, during and after the match as well.
0: I mean, if you want to expand a bit more on that, you're more than welcome to because I wasn't going to go on to that.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, basically, I mean, so Forrest fans, one of the things that we love about him so far is that he's he's got the tone right. He said the right things. He said things in the right way. Um, he was at pains to point out that he had a great time at Swansea. But you know what? things end and and he's kind of been quite he's played that on the level um be interesting to hear what any Swansea fans think about that obviously but um but also during the match uh tactically he knew what he was doing and that's something that has been an absolute quantum leap from the Hewton era and then after the match yes he knew the Jonos would want to talk to him about the Swansea links so he he rather than just batting it away he answered the questions but then said actually, but I'm at Forrest now. And uh, Stephen, off our podcast, who you've had um, as a guest before, he did put in our WhatsApp group, must not fall in love with a manager, must not fall in love with a manager, because, you know, we all know how that ends.
0: Yeah, it's uh, Forrester. seemed to be that person who you always see on Facebook, seemed to be in a different relationship every, every single month. Um, nonetheless, Justin, Swansea had a chance to get back into the game after they pulled one back to make it 2-1. But all that hope died after a clangor by Ben Hamer. A seemingly harmless shot which went straight at him and he spills it and Forest score. It was quite bad, wasn't it?
2: It was quite bad, but Ben Hamer's got previous, has an he? He's, he's been very reliable this season, actually. And um, being a Derby fan, I've experienced some of those Ben Hamer clangors. It is in his nature, but... I th- I think the defending throughout the game from Swansea was really poor. Oh, sorry, well, mainly in the second half, it was really, really poor. I think Zink and Uncle having that much time and space and inside the box to to pinpoint and shot was was
0: was really bad. And yeah, definitely a, a bad game for Swansea. Absolutely. Brendan Johnson had a very good game, didn't he? A goal and an assist. He's been a bit quiet recently, anti-Rich, but on his day, he is a class player, isn't he?
1: Well, it's one of those with him and Zinchenko. They can have you know quiet periods, but then still create something. What I've been very impressed about is that um, in the last couple of matches, Brennan has done the thing which we all want to see wingers do, which is to get past his man and then put the ball into the corridor of uncertainty. And that led to James Garner scoring his goal with that wonderful assist by Lewis Graben last week, and then also um, creating Grabban's goal yesterday. So look. You know, even if he's not on form, he's quick and that scares defenders. And crucially, what was missing for two or three matches was that end, that end product, that final ball. So he's been doing really well. Um, just another thing, Justin, I, I do need to ask you this as a Derby fan. When Hamer was at Derby, did he used to complain to everyone else when he dropped a clangor as well? Because that made me laugh.
2: They happen they so often um, that he couldn't complain to anybody else. Um, and I'm not trying to throw shade on Ben do. He does seem a nice character, but yeah, they
0: happen quite often. So he only had himself to blame. Yeah. I also laughed when I saw him shouting at everyone else after his clang of butter <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, this win takes Forrest up to eighth and only four points off the playoffs. It's easy to forget Forrest were bottom when Steve Cooper took over. So as a fan... You must be buzzing with him in charge, Rich. Uh,
1: Well, we don't forget, actually, because it's one of those things. We lost six out of the first seven or something like that. So we're really in the doldrums. And so we don't forget that. And, you know, I guess the conundrum is that if you take that form, you know, you've talked about the stats before. Forest are one of the form teams along with Fulham and Bournemouth. And I don't know how that looks differently after this weekend. But, um, yeah, things are looking good. I do also say and I said to Mrs F yesterday let's not worry too much about the league table right now because it's so congested and the fact that we moved five places you know 8th to 18th is just a, a matter of a couple of a couple of uh, a win and a draw and it makes a huge amount of difference to what the league table looks like let's not worry about that too much let's you know just keep racking up the points and the longer we go without defeat the better
0: absolutely In one of the shocks of the weekend, Peterborough, who had picked up just two points from seven games prior to this weekend, beat Millwall 2-1. Millwall were a goal up as well. Omar, what on earth went wrong here?
3: (laughs) Um, Good question, to be honest with you, Ryan. I think, obviously, like you said, we were 1-0 up early doors, 15 minutes in. Exact same team as last weekend that comprehensively beat Birmingham City 3-1 at the Den. Um, And, you know, we're thinking, okay, we're going to Peterborough. The omens won the wall for kind of shock in my eyes. Obviously, they hadn't scored in five, they were not, they didn't get a win in seven. You're thinking, got two and a half thousand middle the fans there, sell out away allocation. What's going to go wrong? The team are not going to show up. And yeah, I mean, like I said, we scored early doors Bradshaw, Wallace down the left hand side, great build up, great finish. And then after that, I mean, Peterborough just took control of the ball. We kind of let them have the ball and just kind of let them play in front of us, really. And it's obviously, two quick goals in the second half from Johnson Clark Harris. Um, I'm not sure if the second has been credited to Don't goal yet, but he was credited on the day at the stadium anyway. Uh, but, you know, I think they just kind of caught us out and we kind of just watched it happen, unfortunately for us. Yeah. The
0: other omen that you didn't mention there was the fact that we've got you on the podcast this weekend. Yes. And we all seem to lose every time we get
3: mentioned it when I joined into the call initially, but I didn't want to throw you guys under the bus live on the, on the air. But yes, I think I've been on three times and it's been three defeats after each. So um, thanks to the second tier point for that. It's all our fault. And I just can't
0: get my head around how Millwall can go from beating Birmingham 3-1 and looking really convincing while doing it, but then lose to Peterborough. But having said that, inconsistency pretty much sums up Millwall's past couple of seasons, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean, we're not really... Uh, I was talking about yesterday, actually, on the way back from the game. Like We're not really a team that strings together five, six, seven wins on the bounce, I think notoriously we've been quite good for our clean sheets and normally keeping you know the the goals to zeros and ones against us but this season I think we've only kept four clean sheets in all competitions and you know it's not been great watch really for that side and when you think about the defense we were kind of typically you know giving credit for it's it's been a bit rocky this season and obviously it's just as a whole it's been a kind of inconsistent season for us really
0: Mm, definitely Justin Peterborough will be buzzing after this win, won't they? He was desperately needed. What was also desperately needed was Johnson Clark Harris to get on the score sheet. He definitely got at least one. The other one's a bit contentious, as Omar mentions, but it'll be a big confidence booster for him, won't it? It will. He's he's, he's a good player. He's got ability, but it's just making sure
2: that um, he believes in himself because this season he looked he's looked bereft of confidence, but his movement for the own goal i think that jack taylor chip pass was 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 brilliant but he, he he was in that space to to attack it and he created that he created that goal um, with his persistence obviously his, his second one was in the right place at the right time so you know more of those tap-ins
0: more of those you know bouncing around in the area type goals is, is going to do him the world good absolutely omar Millwall are in this kind of flurry of teams who aren't far away from the playoffs how do you rate your chances out of 10 of finishing in the
3: top six and what needs to be better for you to actually get there? I think it's just consistency. I think often we get kind of credited with being that one man team with Jed Wallace obviously being the kind of the key linchpin to that. But of late, we've seen other players step up, score goals. Bradshaw's got five in seven of his last starts, I think. And, you know, we're, we're there's good signs there. I just think in the January window, maybe we need to maybe get rid of a player like Bod who's still on the wage bill, not playing, and hopefully be able to then bring a bit more quality in, in the January window. Uh, We've been linked with Balogun from Arsenal, the young forward. I think a lot of clubs are linked with him at the moment. But, you know, I think we do need that kind of fresh impetus in the forward line and hopefully just get a bit of consistency in the way we play. I think it's it's this this point that, you know, we've played well against Birmingham, not followed up on Saturday. And, yeah, it has been a bit streaky, like I said. So, just obviously just consistency in our play and the way we perform and offer the same effort week in, week out, really. Justin, judging from the look you've just put on your
0: face, I'm guessing you did not know Bodvarson Varson still existed, let alone yeah. he was at Millwall.
3: Yeah,
2: it's, it's a weird one. He's it not really done much over the last few
0: years and, again, completely forgot he
2: was around. So, yeah, that's a nice little, little throwback.
3: Yeah, we tried to offload him a couple of times, I think, and last summer no one wanted to take him and it's like, well, I think that's probably what suspected to be one of our higher earners as well when we signed him from Reading. So, yeah, it's just, it's a weird one.
0: <laughs> just Justin's face when you said Bud and that was just a picture. Richard and Omar, thank you for now. We'll come back to you both a bit later on to play Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. In the meantime, Justin and I are venturing around the grounds. We'll begin with West Brom against Reading, which finished 1-0. How it was only 1-0, God only knows, because West Brom battered the Royals. But nonetheless, Reading are just two points above the bottom three. Poor man is from the Reading podcast Elm Park Royals. Paul, talk us through this game.
4: Uh, Yeah, yesterday we were particularly poor. That's probably the worst I've seen us play in a good few years. Um, We looked set up to not score, almost. Um, It was very defensive. We sat back. And I don't think it was because West Brom were amazing. They were fine. They deserved to win and everything. But... We are so badly missing key players like John Swift, Drinkwater and Yadam all dropping out yesterday with um, injuries and who knows what's going on in the COVID world. But yeah, a particularly poor performance and West Brom totally deserved to win the game. And hopefully have a think about that during the week, Ponovic, and work out a plan because that was just horrible to watch. No intent to go forward, really.
0: Yeah, well, two points clear of the bottom three. You sat 21st at the moment. Do you think it is just a case of getting key players back and then you can start moving up the table? It is worth pointing out you haven't had Lucas Xiao for the whole season so far, and he is due back next
4: month. I think having players like like you just mentioned there back in the team would make an absolutely huge difference. Also, Yaku Meite, maybe see him right at the end of the season. Not too sure on that one. But I don't know. I think even last season with Panovic, when we were doing quite well, there's a defensive mindset that we're paying the price for because if you don't score that first goal, we're not actually going anywhere. And it's quite hard to actually get back into games. I know we did it recently against uh, Swansea, but that's the anomaly. Um, I think there's concerns about if the players come back, will they actually stay fit? Because a lot of them have major injury histories and it's a real worry, Ryan. Real worry.
0: Yeah, well, how much pressure is Paunovic under now? I've seen the guys on your podcast talking about how it's growing rapidly. What's your stance on it, Paul?
4: I'm still on the Paunovic in uh, side of the moment, but I'm veering. (laughs) To be totally honest, I can see it towards kind of like this is not going in the right direction. But... I also bear in mind that we've had the six-point deduction everybody knows about. we got such a ridiculous amount of injuries. Ambulances just piled up outside our, our stadium, just waiting to leave, because it's guaranteed every single match we we'll pick up some. But on the Panovic situation, he's definitely growing. Um, you can sense it. Even the people that are kind of more balanced on this opinion, they're starting to say, is he actually part of the issue now? And... Maybe he is. Maybe he is. And if we don't pick up a few wins in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be that's going to really become very strong. Thank you, Paul.
0: Justin, I'll get your thoughts on Paunovic in a sec. But quickly on the game, I don't think many went into this expecting Vellian to come out with anything. But the manner of the performance was really poor, wasn't it? And the truth is, if West Brom strikers had their shooting boots on, this could have easily been 4-5-0, couldn't it? Yeah, West Brom created an
2: abundance of chances. They should have put away, and obviously Reading weren't quite up to scratch. Which would be a polite way of saying they weren't. They weren't great in this game. But I think if you take into context the amount of players Reading are missing, they're not going to perform at like their best. Um, and they've had they've had to patch up all season, and unfortunately, it's just catching up for them. So I do I do feel a bit for them. But at the same time, you've got Derby are a good example of having a threadbare squad and still putting in
0: performances. Reading aren't quite doing that. Well, that takes me on to Paunovic's future, because two wins in 10 now for the Royals. And as Paul was just alluding to then, the calls for him, for Paunovic, that is, to be sacked are seemingly growing. Can you understand those calls? I can understand it based purely on
2: um, the results and the form. But when you, again, you take into context the amount of players that are missing for Paunovic, I don't think it's fair that you can really say, oh, you know, he's barely had anything to to work with um, in terms of player availability. So, yeah, I, I understand it, but I don't think it's the right thing to do at this time. I think you've got to stay with Paunovic, get to January transfer window and, and, and reset. I don't think Reading are in any danger of going down, but I think if they, they could be if they do
0: pull the trigger on, on Paunovic. Well, you say that. They're, they are looking right now for me, the main candidates to possibly swap places with any of the teams in the bottom three, at the moment that is you can't rule out something like Hall's form dropping off or something like that but Mm. they've unquestionably got to do a lot better haven't they than they did here because this was a really, really poor performance, it was basically shooting practice for West Brom and if things don't turn around then I I don't think you can rule out Reading going down because they are looking really bang average at the moment, I think it is just a, a blip really but a It has got to get better. It definitely has. Uh, We have got to give a shout-out to Andy Carroll for his goal line clearance, by the way. (laughs) For anyone who hasn't seen it, it's a diving header on the line. And his hand is on the back of the net um, when he heads it away. I'm not sure whether he was stuck in it or whether he was using it to help him get it back up, Mm. but... I'm not sure. Whatever it was, it was unbelievable. Um, we talked about how one sided a game it was just in, but I've not even mentioned that. West Brom had an illness crisis heading into this game. It meant Jake Livermore and Adam Reach. I repeat, Adam Reach had to play at centre-back. And the oldest player on their bench was just 20 years old. Someone should have told the players, though, shouldn't they? Because they were just so dominant here. Callum Robinson alone had 10 shots. The whole Reading team had four. It was just... <laughs> Unbelievably good, weren't they?
2: Yeah, it was. A, it was a good performance from West Brom, and it's a, it's a good place to be when you back up a, a win last week with a with a similar uh, performance and and obviously another three points. But as I say, when you get that level of performance from a team that are struggling for personnel, we were talking about rating not doing it, but that's that's how you react from a from a West Brom perspective and. Um, yeah, you've got to credit uh, Ishmael um, because again, the style of play because it's so sort of drilled into the players. I think anyone can seamlessly fit in into that, into that group and and pick up where others have left off. And I think yeah, the the youngsters that are coming through uh, as well. Gardner Hickman was 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 tremendous in this game again, um, and obviously you mentioned Kyle Robinson, always busy. But yeah, really good
0: performance from West Brom. One that you want them to to build upon. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Gardner-Hickman. We had Tom Hunt on Twitter asking us for our thoughts on him. And I'm glad he asked because he's someone I've wanted to bring up. He's really, really impressed me in the last few weeks. Only 19 Mm -hmm. years old. He's traditionally a right-back, but has also played in centre-mid and a left-back for the Albion so far. And he's really caught my eye, I'm I'm guessing, from what you were just saying, Justin. Same for you.
2: Yeah, he's he's been brilliant. It was quite funny, actually, because Ishmael said last week, uh, obviously, Gardner-Hickman putting in a minor match performance against Coventry. But Ishmael said he made a few mistakes in that position. And I was like, it was almost a faultless position. But I guess if Ishmael's putting them, that level of um, expectation on on even the younger players, I think it's going to get the best out of them. And we're seeing someone like Gardner-Hickman, who is really progressing. And West Brom have got a really good um, track record with, with bringing players through. One of the teams that go under the radar in terms of quality of player that they do bring through. So, yeah, Gardner-Hickman is just another, another one on the uh, baggage conveyor belt. Brilliant player.
0: Yeah, definitely. I've only seen a small sample size so far, but he looks really good going forwards, but also with the defensive side of it as well. He just looks a really exciting player. I'm hoping we'll see more of him because there is a lot of competition in the West Brom squad, mm-hmm. isn't there? But he has yeah. been really, really good so far. Despite it being a really good performance from the baggies, you've got to question how this was only 1-0 and it's something that we've mentioned before into the finishing for West Brom. Some of the chances they missed were astonishing, Justin. Um, it's something that definitely needs to get better, but we won't take anything away from them here. This was really, really good from them. And it's two wins in two a lack of wins for the top two means West Brom are now only three points off the top two so it's uh, looking very interesting once again. A 92nd minute equaliser saw Coventry draw one all away at Huddersfield. It's the sixth time this season that Coventry have scored past the 90th minute to put that into context I think it was QPR who had the most 90th minute goals last season they had six across the whole course of the season Coventry have got six already only halfway through the season uh, but it still means they're without a win in five. Jerry Crone is from the Coventry podcast, The Neil Lamptey Show. Jerry, what did you think of this?
5: I so thought it was fairly frustrating because I think it was a game that we could have won and in the end we only got a point because we snatched a goal right at the very end. But I think this is becoming a bit of a recurring theme now. That's four draws and one loss out of the last five and it's clear that our early season form is, is tailing off pretty rapidly.
0: Yeah, that's unfortunately quite
5: clear to see. What's actually changed in the past few weeks, Joey? I would say part of the answer to that is the drop-off in Xocharez's form. And not necessarily his goal-scoring, because Godin has stepped up and has scored the goals um, for us recently. But Xocharez, at the start of the season, was more around what he brought us in terms of the whole game. So his hold-up play his ability to sort of act as an outlet for a long ball if it was necessary, the time that he bought us, the dribbling up the pitch and the transport that he could do, he just completely disappeared. It's not really clear why. He had a bit of an injury, um, but it's just a complete loss of form. And he was transforming us from an attacking sense. I also think we've missed Martin Waghorn, who I think whilst didn't necessarily seem to have played brilliantly on the face of it, I think when you look back at it really, sort of was quite clever in his movement and and gave Djokovic the space to do what he needed to do i think we've missed both of them Djokovic's form Waghorn because he's been out
0: yeah well with you just outside the playoffs now and seemingly sliding away further from the playoffs what are your expectations now at the start of the season you were quite level headed weren't you and said that you'd be happy just to stay up fortunately that doesn't look like it's going to be an issue anymore um but yeah, what what's what are your
5: expectations now, and do you think the playoffs are still a possibility? I'd say they're still a possibility, but I would suggest they're probably quite a distant possibility. I think if we, I think we're probably good enough to finish in mid-table, and as you say, that's not something that I thought at the start of the season. And I think it's a tremendous credit to the manager and the players that they have reached that. If that's where we finish. That is an incredible improvement on last season. Always the thing that makes it, you know, bittersweet is that, in a weird way, if you're going to finish mid-table, you would rather be hovering around the bottom to start off with and go on a great run at the end and it finish well. It's almost disappointing when you start as well as we have done and then seem to have thrown it away. But either way, what, however it happens... If we can finish a roundabout mid-table this season, I think that would be a fantastic achievement. That's two years back in the Championship, looking like we're going in the right direction overall. I'd be struggling to be able to complain about that.
0: Thank you, Joey. Coventry and late goals, Justin. It's the perfect partnership, isn't it? They've won 15 points from losing positions. The obvious caveat with that stat, though, is they've got to be in a losing position first. (laughs) And they've fallen behind 13 times in 22 games. And that is quite clearly a problem, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's more than
2: fifty percent of the, the the games, isn't it? This season, it's it's something that they need to they they do need to address because it is something that I think is holding Coventry City back from really performing and, and progressing up the league, uh, or progressing further, further up the league, I should say. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's as I say, it's something that needs addressing. But the performance there today, uh, yesterday, sorry, was was really good against Um It's just a shame that it is sort of merked with, with it just being a, a draw because it, it was a game where I thought if. Um, if Coventry had scored earlier, they'd have probably gone on to win.
0: Yeah, well, it's funny how football works, isn't it? If they had been ahead in those games that we were just talking about then, but still got the same result and drop points from winning positions fans would be calling for mark robbins to be out wouldn't they but hmm. when it's the other way around it's seen as a good thing it's very strange whatever the case coventry sit seventh a point of the top six still in touch but undoubtedly lacking the momentum they had earlier in the season speaking of teams who were in the playoffs and now lacking momentum huddersfield one win in seven now for them justin and they could have really done with holding on to those three points here couldn't they yeah, there was a
2: there was a chance towards the end of the game where Matty Pearson was pretty much unmarked, and he headed wide. And I think if obviously if Huddersfield score that, they're going to win two, uh, the game two 0 probably. But um, I think this is a perfect uh, sort of game for for Huddersfield as to, to sort of tell you where they where they're at in terms of this season. Um, I thought they were quite poor for, for the majority of the game. Um they didn't create as many chances as, as Coventry and if it wasn't for Lee Nichols, I think Coventry would have would have run away with the game. Um, but if you wanted to look going into that 90th minute, you've got to hold on to it and positionally I think they switched off. Um marking didn't exist and obviously Nichols made his first mistake of the game and
0: Gordon got in ahead of him. Yeah. Well Huddersfield are quite a curious club because despite them being tenth in terms of points they're actually nearer to eighteenth than they are the playoffs. And with their form dropping off, it's very easy to see them drift further away from the top six over the next few weeks, isn't it? The big concern is could we see a repeat of last season where they capitulate in the second half? I don't think it could be ruled out because they seem to be heading in that direction, don't mm. they? My instinct is they won't because I think there are better sides now than they were last season. They're a lot more defensively solid. Um they may have a rather disappointing second half of the season and drift off into the bottom half of the table. But I don't think it'll be to the extent that we saw last season where they only won something like, what was it, three games in the second was, half? Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. What, what do you think, Justin? Do you think we could see them slide away?
2: Um, slide away, yes. Obviously not to the extent they did last season, as you say. Um, I think they've got players who haven't hit form yet at all this season. We've mentioned it before, the likes of Karoma... They've got Jordan Rhodes coming back to full fitness. Danny Ward hasn't really—I mean, he's had his injury problems, but he's not really convinced anyone yet. Fraser Campbell is in and out of the starting lineup, and they're just—that's just the attacking players. Um, and then you've got the likes of um, Piper to come back in. Um, so they are—they are missing players, and players haven't been in form. So I think when they come back into the side, they will be a better side. They will get more results, but you can't rule out them them
0: starting to fall down the table in the, in the short term, definitely. Absolutely. Blackburn made a big statement with a 2-0 win away at Bournemouth. They're now fourth after four wins in a row. And I tell you what, Justin, they deserved it here, didn't they?
2: They were, they were brilliant. They were brilliant. Um, and for me, it's the result of the weekend. And then they, they showed us up. They they proved a lot of people wrong. And they're, and they're slowly, well, Blackburn are slowly starting to convince me that they are um, a team that are capable of finishing the playoffs. Um, and as I say, you've got to give them credit because they've, they've gone away to Bournemouth, who are a good side. Um, They were resilient, they were gritty uh, and they were, as I say, the the better team in the game.
0: I'm not sure I agree with the top six sentiment, Justin. My God, my phone has been buzzing constantly over the past 24 (laughs) hours after we predicted a Bournemouth win in the week. But they were really good here. Good value for the win. I'll give them full credit for that. I won't take that away at all. Their turnaround in results has also been brilliant and they're nearer to the top two than they are seventh. So the table looks very good from a Rovers point of view and Blackburn fans are daring to dream. Why not? Will they actually finish in the top six or even the top two this season? I very much doubt it, personally. I think most level-headed Blackburn fans will probably agree with that as well. You've still got question marks over the depth in the squads, the number of chances they give away in games, and who's actually going to be there after the January transfer window as well. And I I just think there are teams who are better suited to finish in the top six than Blackburn as well. So I'm more than sceptical, to say the very least. I think it's just a good run of form. And... Even then, prior to the Bournemouth game, I still think they were quite fortunate with results. But fair play to Blabber, they're going very well right now. The fans should enjoy it. Just know I'll be replying to each and every one of their tweets coming (laughs) into the season. Um, We should actually focus on the game itself, Justin. Mm. Ben Pearson's own goal was quite funny, wasn't it? Taking one in the face against your (laughs) old club's big rivals. Not a good day at the office for him. Can I hear some love for Jean-Paul Van Heck's header, Justin? That was excellent, wasn't it?
2: Well, when he's not karate kicking uh, opposition, then he's, he's certainly making up for it with um, with dominant headers. He's, he's a very good player, and he's, he's a player that's progressed nicely this season. Um, and obviously, if he's getting on the end of crosses uh, and balls into the box like that, then then long may it continue. But I think that shows that um, Blackburn do have depth. Uh, you know, I do, to disagree with your your sentiment, I do th- I do think they have depth. I think it's just a case of getting those players into form. Um, and if Van Heck's scoring and defending as well he is, then then that's absolutely the case.
0: We are a football show that appreciates the art of heading, aren't we? And there were some we very it. good headers yeah. this week. That was right up there for me. Uh, we've talked about Blackburn, Justin. Bournemouth just continue to be stuck in this rut, don't they? Five games without a win now. And it's hard to believe this is the same team that was steaming through everyone just a month or two ago, wasn't mm-hmm. it?
2: Yeah. we. I mean, we've seen West Brom, Fulham drop off after international breaks. And obviously the same things happened, happened here for Bournemouth. Um, it's quite staggering actually how, how how much they've dropped off because they're not looking like the side that were that were pressing well that were keeping possession well because they were they were almost going to win promotion but doing it in a, in a the most sort of average way possible where they were just beating teams 2-0. Um they were in control of games all the way they weren't looking like um, opposition were, were getting on top of them. Now that isn't the case that you know they're showing that they've got that they've got weaknesses. Um, which is yeah it is quite a worry. Um and this this was a game where Bournemouth needed to get a result out of um, three points just to just to convince everyone again that they are the real deal. And I think Fulham um, obviously didn't take advantage of it this weekend,
0: but they will they will start to do so soon. Yeah, but I think it's spot on there, mate. You're looking at the table now, and it's still looking promising for them at the moment, which is a in a way a testament to how good they were earlier in the season. But at the same time, you can say look at how that they are now, and they do look a different side. It's not as <laughs> You know when Fulham had that sticky patch not too yeah. long ago, in the I think it was after the first international break, they were still looking good, but Bournemouth don't, the performance levels have dropped. With the squad they've got, you'd expect them to get back to winning ways, but they they've just looked a different team in recent weeks, and they've got two tricky games coming up as well. It only takes one of the chasing pack to click, and suddenly you've got Scott Parker and co looking over their shoulder, so... They're definitely starting to look vulnerable, and without a doubt, they need to pull the fingers out, really, don't they? <laughs> Ryan Lowe, his first game in charge of Preston ended in victory. They beat Barnsley two-one. I'd say it was a promising start to the Lowe era. Justin,
2: yeah, it was. It was a good win. I thought it was a fairly even game in terms of chances. I thought both teams had a, had a good go, but I think the moment, or well, the player who made a difference, was was clearly Daniel Johnson. And I think when you've got a player like him in your side, he's always going to. Uh, um, well, be, be a massive attribute for you. And obviously, I think Ryan Lowe said this week that he's looking to get more out of the likes of Shaw, Maguire, um, Scott Sinclair, Chad Evans, which is, again, really a really promising thing. But yeah, very good start for Ryan Lowe, good performance here. Um, was against uh, second bottom in the league, but nonetheless, it's, it's three points on the board where where in previous weeks they would have probably scraped a 1-0 win or, or drawn 1-0 because they have underwhelmed massively at home at times this season.
0: I suppose technically it's actually bottom of the league it, if you discount the points deductions. On a technicality, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do agree. I think they had more purpose when they had the ball. I mean, look, we weren't expecting Guardiola's Barcelona after four training <laughs> sessions or however many it was. But considering the amount of time he's had with the players, there was clearly more of an identity than there was under McAvoy. And that's the main thing you'd want to see in your managers, your new managers' first game of charge. Um Of course, three points helps as well. It wasn't all perfect. (laughs) Barnsley did have chances, but it was good. I'd be pleased if I was a Preston fan. They're up to 14th now. I thought Barnsley were okay here, Justin. They were at the very least competitive, but Poy Raspargi still winless since taking over. And, Justin, we can talk all day about how there have been slight improvements in Barnsley's performances, but you only have to look at the table to see how dire the situation is. The eight points Mm -hmm. from safety... Only a point closer to safety than they are from Derby. And the thing is, they've drawn quite a few games this season, but just two wins. um, And despite the ever so slight improvements, they haven't looked close to winning a game in a while, have they? And they're Mm -hmm. not going to come close to even staying up if they don't start picking up three points. Yeah, I mean, you sort of get sort of, I, I guess
2: through the January transfer window and it's and if the situation doesn't improve then when do you start looking at the next season but i think for for Esbargi, as as you say they look competitive in this game it's always difficult when a new manager comes in like Ryan Lowe where it gets everybody up their tails, so, so it, always, it was always going to be difficult for Barnsley. Um, but I think there were a lot of, again, more encouraging signs from individuals. Corley Woodrow hasn't looked the same player this season, but obviously he got on a score sheet. Um, Morris again was 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 busy, and obviously he hit the woodwork. Um, so there is there is improvements, but it's not clicking at the same time for for Barnsley as Barkey getting players who are peaking at different times when he needs it all to to happen at the same um, uh, yeah in the same game, and it isn't. And obviously at the at the moment that's holding holding them back.
0: Yeah, I think Woodrow's scoring, further following on from your point, is a really, really important thing because he has missed so many chances this season. He's had a really poor season by his standards, but hopefully that'll be a confidence booster for him. Barnsley got some tricky games coming up, so it's going to be a tricky winter period for Asbargi and uh, the Barnsley side, they could be even further away from safety if uh, things carry on. Justin, let's have a little break. After that, we'll talk about Fulham v Luton and Derby winning again. Welcome back to the second tier podcast. Fulham remain at the top of the championship despite drawing one all away at Luton. To be fair to you, Justin, you don't get many things right, but you called this one, didn't you? You fancied Luton to get a result here.
2: Well, what can I say? Championship expert. You know, you doubt me. Everyone doubts me. But I mean, I did. I did uh, predict a Bournemouth win against Blackburn, but we'll we'll gloss over that. I got one right. And um, um, I mean, I'm not particularly surprised because Luton... Luton are, are a very good side and I think as said before they will give any team in this division a game and and they certainly did that here. I thought they were they were impressive. I don't think Fulham were allowed as much freedom as they normally do in games to to create and I think that's down to Luton's ability to defend and press at the right times. Um and the overall game plan deployed by Nathan Jones um got them got them uh, the result here.
0: Yeah, I think you're pretty much spot on if you're any side and you manage to um reduce Fulham to the amount of chances that they had then you've done a pretty decent job really and that's exactly what Luton did here. Alexander Mitrovic ended his goal, goal drought of two games hopefully he'll re- regain some confidence now. Um, we were talking earlier about very good headers Elijah Adebayo's was really good he stooped low to direct it in. It may not look spectacular but it's very well done I'll give him full credit there but a good point for Luton who look like they're back on track after a sticky patch. Bournemouth fans will be all unhappy Justin if we don't mention that Fulham are winless in four. After we talked about them also being winless, comparing the two, are you feeling more or less confident about Fulham staying in the top two? Well, I, I actually wrote my notes for Bournemouth that if, you, if you're drawing games,
2: that's fine because it's only fine tuning that needs to happen to start winning them. Obviously, Bournemouth, are, you know, did defeats are starting to creep in for them, whereas Fulham are are, are are drawing. So I think there's not much that needs to to happen from them to, to start getting wins again. I just think they just need to come up against an opposition who aren't quite out of the races. Luton are very switched on. They're a good side. It's always going to be difficult. Um, I think this was this was just a, a good point. I think it's a good point for Fulham as well because not many teams are going to go to Cannaworth Road and, and, and take points away. But yeah, you're right. Bournemouth fans will be sort of pleased that they drop points. But I think they're in, uh, Fulham are in a much better position than them.
0: Yeah. My instinct is it's only a matter of time before Fulham get back to winning games. They've, they've drawn four in a row, but on a different day, they could have easily won any of those games. So oh, I'm not yeah, worried 100%. at all about Fulham. So I reckon they'll be flying again soon, without a doubt. Derby won. Blackpool nil. 19-year-old Luke Plange scored his first senior goal on his first senior start. Worth pointing out, Derby another side have been struck by COVID. So a load of senior players missing here. So much so that Rooney revealed after the game that they were considering postponing it. But... That just makes it all the more impressive that they ended up winning this quite comfortably, Justin, because Derby aren't a side which are chock full of depth, are they?
2: No, they aren't. But I think that highlights, again, the academy, the good work that goes on in the academy. Um, I know Luke Plange technically isn't a, an academy prospect. He was signed uh, for a free transfer by, uh, from Arsenal in the summer. Um, but as I say, the, the level of coaching, it just goes to show that there is there is quality in, in the ranks at Derby. And I think... Plange, uh, especially his performance really impressed me for a nineteen-year-old. You know, I know he scored; it was just a tapping, but his movement off the ball was was great. He was ruffling the feathers of the Black uh, Blackpool defence. I think it was a really good, really good performance, really mature performance from from uh, a teenager, yeah, you know, child.
0: Yeah, I was really impressed with Derby's youngsters. plunge, as you mentioned, led the line really well. Mm-hmm. He was winning flick-ons against senior centre-halves. And then uh, Dylan Williams was also really good as well. He's only mm-hmm. 18. So if you look at the young talent Derby have got, that is their future, isn't it? And I don't mean in a few seasons' time. I'm talking maybe as soon as the second half of this season. Yeah, because, next week. <laughs> if, yeah, because if Derby are forced to sell their best, ass- best assets in January... It's good for Derby fans to know that the young lads they've got are actually capable of playing in the first team because there's a very good chance that second half of the season, the team could be regularly filled with what is essentially kids. I suppose that is one positive lasting legacy from the mel morris era isn't he that he did invest in the academy only problem was he was also investing in overpaid over the hill players who were stopping young players from playing but that's by (laughs) the by Uh, justin i was really disappointed with blackpool here considering the opposition that's no disrespect to derby but they didn't cause too many problems at all did they
2: yeah, Ryan Allsop was was quite quiet in the uh, in the Derby goal. Um, I, I agree with you. I thought it was quite a lacklustre performance from them. I, I think they had a really good opportunity to to isolate Derby's wing backs with the with the width. You know, Blackpool one of Blackpool's strengths this season has been attacking in wide areas. I don't think they, they did that enough. Um, Keshi Anderson, who yeah, everybody knows that I'm, I'm absolutely obsessed with, I thought he was relatively quiet, quite lively in the first half, but just goes to show that Blackpool didn't get there. They're key players in the game often enough, and um, I think they started to cause a few problems when Jerry Yates came on and played as a as a as a front two with um, Shane Lavery. But even then, I thought they were fairly comfortable. Derby,
0: yeah, which is strange because I thought Blackpool would give him more of a game, but they didn't really. And unfortunately, after what I was saying about Blackpool finishing comfortably in mid-table in the week, still think that's going to be the case. But I look at Blackpool in the table, and my eyes. Do hover to see what's below them, because winless in seven, three losses on the bounce, no goals in four games, sitting 17th, one to keep an eye on, I'd say. One thing I didn't get from this game, Justin, was Derby fans booing Richard Keogh. I, I, I didn't understand that at all. Sure, we all know why he was sat by the club. It was a stupid thing for him to do. But I mean, come on, 356 appearances for them. Consistently one of the best players for seven years. I mean, he is essentially a modern day legend there. Keep in mind, by the way, they're booing Keo for being in the back of the car on that famous, infamous night out, but are happy to cheer Tom Lawrence when he was driving. Sounds a bit odd to me. Why are they booing him, Justin?
2: Why are they booing him? It's, it's it's a good question. I don't necessarily agree with it. Obviously, if he didn't get sacked and was still a Derby County player, they wouldn't be booing him. Um, as, as as we've seen, with Tom Lawrence. It's a strange one. He, he's always split opinion, hasn't he? Um, amongst Derby fans, amongst football supporters in general, and he will he will continue to do it. But I, I do agree with you, and it will we will get pelters for it. But I, I think he is a, a modern day club legend, along the likes of Craig Bryson and Jamie Ward and Chris Martin and all
0: or co co like that. Yeah, I don't really understand it, to be honest. Birmingham 2, Cardiff 2. Birmingham were 2 nil up before a great comeback by Cardiff. Cardiff scored an equaliser in the 91st minute. But this was a great game, wasn't it, Justin? Mainly because both teams had shed loads of chances. It's one of those games where you look at on paper. Uh,
2: and generally on paper, and this is stereotyping both teams, you go, it's going to be a 0-0. It's, g- it's going to be 0-0. It's going to be... Back to front, lumping it forward. Um, but yeah, two teams had a right good go, as you say. There was a lot of quality in this game. Um, really impressed with both of them. I thought Riley McGree for Birmingham City was was dangerous and creative. Hopefully, they can they can sort his future out because I think his loan spell expires um, in the next window, which is frustrating. Uh, they, they need to get that sorted out. Cause he's been really good play, uh, player for them in in Chong's absence. But yeah, I think from Birmingham City's perspective, you're frustrated because you let a two-goal lead slip. And one thing you're not very good at is putting chances away. They go 2-0 up. One thing you expect is to see the
0: game out and they didn't. Yeah, Lee Bowyer wouldn't have been happy after they threw this away. He's not been a happy man in general this week, actually. Because <laughs> he got told they've got no money to spend in January, which isn't ideal, considering Birmingham are missing quite a few players, aren't they, through various different reasons like McGree for example um, so whether, whether whether that actually means they sign anyone in January is going to be very interesting to see. Um, games with Steve Morrison in charge are starting to look like they're guaranteed to be quite fun Justin because there's been at least three goals in six of the eight games he's managed so far is that actually helping them? I'm not too sure because they're 20th, only three points above the bottom three. Still a lot of work to be done for them to be safe for sure. Hall City v Bristol City also finished 2-2 and also saw a 91st-minute equaliser. Matty James getting it for the Robins. Ryan Longman's goal was very good, One not Cutting in from the left before curling in from the edge of the box. Did you like that one, Justin?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, he's a player that's impressed me. He's got quality, um, and he's playing out of position essentially. But if he's he's capable of pulling that off, then you know, long long may that continue. And again, yeah, a really good game, which on paper didn't look like it would be a good a good spectacle. But really impressed with, with both sides. Really impressed with Bristol City's character, and obviously Hull City look a different side to what they were eight weeks ago.
0: Yeah, I thought they should have won this game. Obviously, they. Should have really considering they were winning up until that late goal, but they also missed a couple of really good chances. Overall, though, a point's not a bad result for these two. Helps them edge slightly further away from the bottom three. Stokeborough finished goalless in a game that was particularly dull. By far the best chance fell to Duncan Watmore. The cross came into him. He He had an open goal and he just kind of collapsed like he'd been shot by a sniper. But I think that paints a pretty accurate picture of the kind of player that he is doesn't it he scored two beautiful goals the other week and then he'll do that every so often but then for the next two games 10 games he'll spurn just good chances game in a game um the final game of this weekend hasn't happened yet just in it's Sheffield United against QPR on Monday night QPR on a Monday again I don't know what that is Hmm. yeah we'll talk about that game in Thursday's episode Hi all, it's Ryan from the future. Just a quick note to say we won't be talking about this game on Thursday now. It's been cancelled because of Covid cases in the QPR squad. But still, please listen on Thursday because I promise you it'll be a good episode. Back to Ryan from the past. Let's quickly look ahead to next weekend, Justin, because we've teamed up with the Skybet EFL Rewards app to give away some amazing prizes over the Christmas period. You can win Puma EFL Match Balls, Football Manager 2022 and even the cost of a season ticket at your club how can you get your hands on them here's how all you've got to do is download the app and take part in the predictor game if you correctly predict the most results in the championship you could win one of those glorious glorious prizes best bit is the app is completely free it's free to enter so you may as well might you download the app enter your predictions now you can find a link to the app in the description of this episode justin shall we give our predictions see how we get on let me just find the games first of all first game you've got is the valerie and ishmael derby barnsley v west brom i'm gonna to edge towards west brom for that one yeah i, I think a lot of people will I'll also go west brom <laughs> cardiff derby cardiff derby i'll go draw i'll go draw borough bournemouth hmm borough bournemouth i will go home win i i'm feeling a home win as well which is amazing considering we're talking about Bournemouth here, Blackburn Birmingham, home win. I mm, I'll go draw. Um, put my neck on the line there. Blackpool Peterborough. Uh, Blackpool Peterborough draw. I I fancy Blackpool to get back on track. Peterborough mm. terrible away from home, aren't they? Bristol City Huddersfield. I yeah that game's got drawing all over it, hasn't it? i found you Bristol City, you know. Coventry, Stoke. I will go away win. I'll go Coventry. Millwall, Preston. Ooh,
2: Millwall, Preston. Mm. I'll go home win.
0: I'll go draw. Forest, Hull. I'll go home win. Forest. I'll also go Forest, QPR, Swansea. That's going to be a good game. Ooh, uh, draw. Uh, I will go... Home win. Uh, what is it? It's Reading Luton. I will go away win. Sorry, I got confused because there's another game on Monday night. Uh, I will go away win. And the game on Monday night is Fulham Sheffield United. Which way do you see that one going? That's a big. Game. That's a t- tasty one. That is. I. Oh my god, that's so hard to call. Uh, home win. I'll go draw. Download the app now, enter your predictions, see if you can do better than us. You can find a link to the app in the description of this episode. Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news and Stokes' injury problems are becoming a bit of a joke now. They've now lost Romain Sawyers for up to three months after he suffered a torn quad. I think You've said it before, Justin. Stoke, one of the few sides in the division with plenty of depth, but the number of injuries they're having—I mean, it's going to impact any team, isn't it? Well, it's not just number of injuries generally; it's number of
2: injuries to key players. Um, Sawyer's, Nick Powell, Joe Bursic, Harry Suter—they're all—they're all starters, aren't they? For the uh, for the eleven, it's it's uh, as you say, a bit of a joke. It's frustrating. From from Michael O'Neill's perspective, because he can't get his best team out, and as supporters, you're there wondering, well, what are the ambitions now this season? Um, but what can you do about it? You question the medical department, or I think I questioned a curse when that's when that news came out. It's the only logical explanation for me that there is some sort of curse at uh, the bet three six five.
0: Reckon it was Nathan Jones who did some sort of voodoo curse just before he left.
2: Well, I accused Mark Hughes or Paul Lambert. Um, I think Paul Lambert. They've the got a long, list of, uh, a long <laughs> list of a long list
0: of managers who may have put a curse on Stoke, haven't they? <laughs> well, yeah, quite quite a few have gone through the doors, haven't they? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I reckon Rowett might have done it. He seems particularly snide. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Stoke is still in the playoffs now, so I mean, that dream is still alive. But the injuries, the amount of them racking up, is absolutely unbelievable. There's, there's It just makes you pull your hair out as a Stoke fan. Because this is their best chance of promotion in a long time, isn't it? And uh, it just seems to be falling apart in front of their very eyes. Um, It was a double for QPR in the monthly awards. Mark Warburton won Manager of the Month for November after they picked 13 points from a possible 15. Meanwhile, Chris Willock won Player of the Month. Call that just saying uh, the daily mirror says wayne rooney is urging derby's administrators to sell to american business ma- businessman chris kirchner kirchner we've mentioned before on the show i think is the only one of the interested parties in buying derby who's gone public and has appeared at multiple games this season um interesting that rooney would do that isn't it
2: yeah, there's there seems to be people putting two and two together with links between Rooney and Kirchner because of Rooney's agent, but I'm not going to speculate without having actual information on that. Um, but I think in general, I think Rooney just needs. I mean, he's obviously had meetings with Kirchner; that's fair. But we all just need a bit more clarity. I think the administrators said a couple of weeks ago that they will have a decision on the preferred buyer
0: yesterday or on Friday, and
2: nothing's come out, which is quite bizarre. Mm.
0: Well, they said it's going to be wrapped up by the end of next month. Um, haven't it's heard not. much else apart from <laughs> that, really. So uh, we'll wait and see. On to depressing news now. A 14-year-old boy in London has been questioned by police investigating online racist abuse sent to West Brom's Callum Robinson. Three other boys in Derbyshire aged as young as 12 are due to appear before a youth panel for allegedly abusing the Republic of Ireland international. A 15-year-old boy has been placed on the educational support programme after racially abusing Swansea midfielder Jan Dander on Instagram. The post was uh, sent back in February after Swansea lost to Man City in the FA Cup. Less depressing news now, Justin. Birmingham defender Mark Roberts has signed a new two-year contract extension to keep him at the club. And finally, Barnsley will fully reopen a stand in the new year that has been shut for two months due to safety concerns which is good news for all involved right let's do some polls justin this is the part of the show where we give our listeners three questions on twitter because we want to get their thoughts on all things to do with the championship the first thing i asked was this will blackburn still be in the top six at the end of the season yes or no i'm going
2: to stick my neck out there i'm going to say yes they've broke my heart a lot but i'm convinced they're going to the playoffs
0: I am more than skeptical I will say no. It split the listeners just in 52% said no, 48% said yes. So very split indeed. Uh next one we asked is ignoring Fulham, who's finishing in the top 2 this season? Bournemouth, West Brom or someone
2: else? It's quite interesting because we practically ruled West Brom out a few weeks ago. This is the beauty of the championship because it just goes up and down so so quickly, but I think Bournemouth will will get back on it and they will be the stronger side I think Bournemouth.
0: Yeah, I think Bournemouth at the moment. Um, I I would probably vote for someone else. So I, I can see someone else coming out from the pack. I've I've got a sneaky feeling about Sheffield United. They'll probably lose now on Monday, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've just got a sneaky feeling about them because they they look completely different sides to one that we saw earlier in the season. And finally, which button did you use to shoot on FIFA slash Pez? Circle or square or B and X if um, you used an Xbox.
2: I've not played FIFA for a long time. I'm trying to remember how I do it. I'm actually making the movement with my hands. Uh, circle, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was yeah. religiously circle. I I got so confused whenever a game had B as the shooting settings because I just could not get my head around it at all. And then I end up crossing the ball when I'm one on one with the goalkeeper. Yeah. If, if if it's square or B, you're a you're a wrong gun. Let's be honest. <laughs> straight to the point love that um, <laughs> I didn't give the answer to the polls did I that would help uh, the answer to the polls was 84% of people said circle slash b uh, 16% said square slash x so it seems like a lot of people do have common sense and know that circle is the right answer <laughs> right now it's time for this
1: hi Simon Grayson Edge.
0: So this is Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Welcome back to the show, Omar Renane from That Millwall Podcast and Rich Ferraro from 1865, the Nottingham Forest Podcast. So I'm going to ask the boys here to name eight of a certain subject. All they've got to do is work together to name all eight. So, for example, if I would say, name the eight clubs Scott Park has played for or managed and Omar would say Bournemouth, that's one down, and Rich would say Fulham, that's another down. But if Justin would say Weymouth, then he'd be out. So what you need to do, chaps, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated, so there are nine teams in the top three, emphasis top three divisions of English football, whose nickname is a type of bird. One of them is Newcastle, obviously the Magpies. Can you name the remaining eight? So we shall begin with Justin Peach. Can you name me a team whose nickname is a type of bird? Please. They've stung me in the past. I'll go with Bristol City and the Robins. Yeah are the Robins Rich, you can go next
1: Um, I'll go for Brighton the Seagulls
3: absolutely, flying through this so far Omar, your go I'm a bit more nervous but obviously I'll go for an easy one Swansea, the Swans they absolutely
0: are the Swans Um, Justin, your go again we're flying through this, three down, five to go yeah, I can't think of anyone else now Gillingham Gillingham are not in the top three divisions of English football, Justin. So Justin's out. Um, what are they called? The gills? The, Is a gill a type of bird? They have a seagull on the badge. Great. No idea. Justin's out. means no It's down to Rich and Omar. You've got five to go, Rich.
1: Okay, I'm um, to the limit of my knowledge, but I'm going to go Crystal Palace.
0: Crystal Palace correct they are the Eagles so you're halfway through two of you still remaining Omar you look completely confused
3: yeah I'm not really confident in the slightest here to be honest um I'm really out of ideas to be honest and I might have to throw Rich under the bus here I'm trying to think uh, <laughs> I mean is it is is Cardiff City being the Bluebirds a bird is that a good one yeah? Okay, absolutely. Well, yeah. I, I yes, think Rich has got no more really after good. this. So. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: is absolutely correct. Cardiff are the Bluebirds. You've got three to go. Uh, I'll give you a little clue. One of them is in the Premier League. The other two are in League One. So no Championship size remaining. Rich, you'll go.
1: I see. Oh, that's just thrown me. That's just thrown well, me quite bad. Were well, you
0: going for a Championship one?
1: I was going for a Championship one. And I'm not going to obviously forfeit my go now that you've told me that. But, um, Out of uh, interest, this
0: won't count. Who are you going to go for? I
1: was going to go for West Brom, also known as the Throttles, as well as the Baggies. I'm
0: not counting that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm really
4: harsh.
1: Right, okay. So, we're going Premier League or League One. Uh, now, I'm thinking about, I don't know any other Premier League teams. I'm, I'm, going, to to push I'm going to have to push okay. you. All right. So I Just name a random for... League
0: One side. You won't be too far off.
1: I don't even know who's in League One. Uh, Let's go for uh, Forest Green Rovers.
0: Forest Green are in League Two. Also, (laughs) there you (laughs) go. (laughs) (laughs) I I presume they're just Rovers. Um, Sorry, Forest Green fans. That means, Omar, it's down to you. You've got three remaining. Can you name a team whose nickname is a bird?
3: I'm just going to go to Tottenham Hotspur, but I, I, that's just because it's a complete guess, to be honest. This is a Spur, but I don't think it's going to... No. I, I'm not counting that. Yeah.
0: No. <laughs> I, I think they probably have got some sort of bird-related nickname, yes. but I'm not counting. No, I count their nickname as Spurs. Okay. So, unfortunately, chaps, you've lost. The teams you were looking for were Norwich, the Canaries. Which okay,
1: is yeah, obvious obviously, one. yeah.
0: Sheffield Wednesday, the Owls. And mm. this one I didn't think you were going to get is Cheltenham. The Robins. Oh, so there we go. It, it was a pretty tricky one, actually. I, I, I thought you'd do a bit better, but uh, clearly quite a tricky one. <coughs> Justin, that means it's another week where people have lost at Simon Grayson's hate flight. We haven't won in ages. Yeah, completely.
2: Yeah. I don't know when, when we last won. I, I'll be honest with you, I was completely thrown by the uh, uh, the Gillingham comment. Gillingham are in League One, I will add. Oh, the They're are in League a, one, the, yeah, one. Yeah, you owe, you owe an apology to the, uh, the city oh, or sorry. town of, of Gillingham. Gillingham. But still, Gills.
0: I don't know what a gill is. No, I'd never do I. Didn't away.
2: I thought it was a bird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That rounds up another episode of the second tier podcast. Thank you for listening, wherever you are. We'll be back again on Thursday for another round of previews of next weekend's games. Until next time, uh, we'll give a quick thanks to our guests on the show this week, Rich Ferraro from 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Thank you for your time today, Rich
1: thank you very much can I just give a quick shout out to my mum who inadvertently wore a navy cardigan with a pink stripe and didn't realise those were Forests Away colours from yesterday
0: <laughs> brilliant stuff well done to Richard's mum uh, Omar Renane from That Millwall Podcast thank you for your time today
3: no problem and no shouts outs for me but thanks guys for having me on <laughs> no
0: problem this has been the Second Tier Podcast we'll be back again on Thursday I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach thank you for listening